Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to our program. My name is Ellie Nieves and I'm a women's leadership speaker, writer, and coach. I'm also the founder and president of Leadership Strategies for Women, and through my speaking and coaching programs, I help individuals and organizations to develop leadership skills and set strategic goals that will help them to achieve their vision for success. For more information, you can visit my website at www.leadershipstrategiesforwomen.com. Today, we continue with our Women in Leadership series, and our guest is Dia Sims. Dia Sims has grabbed the reins on a fast-moving career in advertising and entertainment. As general manager of the Blue Flame Agency, Sean Diddy Combs' in-house advertising agency, Dia oversees the strategic execution of all brands under the House of Combs. She has also played an integral role in the wildly successful resurrection of the ultra-premium Ciroc Vodka brand. In her current role at Blue Flame, Dia works tirelessly to ensure that brand marketing plans have a strong tactical paradigm. The Blue Flame agency is supremely focused on delivering sales-driven programming that connects the consumer to their brands in lifestyle-driven arenas. Dia has a Bachelor of Science degree in psychology from Morgan State University and a Master's in Management with a concentration in contract management from the Florida Institute of Technology. Dia commutes to New York from Atlanta, Georgia, each week, and she has homes in Atlanta, Georgia, and North Bergen, New Jersey. Dia, welcome to the show. Thank you. That's a fancy introduction. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me today. Great to have you. So, Dia, besides what I've shared, can you share a little bit about your background? Absolutely. you know, one of my first kind of major jobs with the Department of Defense as a contract specialist having to do defense negotiations, and that is an industry that's it's heavily male-dominated. Um, a lot of people have been in it for 20, 30, 40 years, so there are a lot of institutions and kind of practices in place that are difficult to ch- were difficult to change, and it was just really the perfect ground for um, for me to really hone my skills and know that the number one thing that's most critical in being taken seriously is just extraordinary attention to detail. So me being kind of this fresh new college graduate in the rooms with these highly senior, you know, gentlemen, um, in order for me to be taken seriously, it was just mission critical that I went over and above and really crossed every T and could really come to a contract negotiation, you know, uh, as a person to be reckoned with, if you will. That's great. Um, yeah, and then going from there, I um I moved into working in radio, which is a totally random switch. But um, where I lived for the Department of Defense was like a really remote area, and I originally from New York City, so I was kind of itching to get back to a city atmosphere. And someone had recommended, they said, I think you'd be great in radio, and totally randomly. Um, and that's kind of where I got my first bite working in the marketing and sales department. And uh, and from there, I just loved it and opened my own company out of Maryland for a few years and continue to work in marketing uh, and sales in the radio industry in New York City, uh, which eventually led me to to working with Sean Combs because both his record label and his clothing company were my clients uh, when I worked for Clear Channel Radio in New York. Well, that's good, and it's interesting that you made that transition from government to entertainment. And a lot of people think that they can't make industry changes or that the skills that they learn maybe in one area of their career they can't apply to another area, but this is a perfect example of how you were able to do both. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, even when we hire now, we really look for a type of personality and somebody who is trainable. And I think, you know, unless it's, you know, unless you're performing heart surgery or you're 
flying to Mars, I think that most of the information is kind of like a widget. Like we can insert the information, but what is more difficult to find is people with that kind of ruthless dedication to success and the person who's willing to triple-check their work and ensure that, you know, all the projects that we take on come off flawlessly. Great. So what are three leadership lessons that you've learned throughout your career? I would say one is um, that I learned from my from my current boss, um, from, from Sean Combs, is you know what he has done a great job is really teaching that you can do even more than than you you know than you might even realize. So he's really great at kind of like forcing you to push the boundaries and really seeing what you're capable of accomplishing. So we kind of joke and call him like the doubler if we say, okay, we know we can get whatever it is, we can get fifty thousand cases moved. They know we can get a hundred thousand. I think the great lesson there is that if you plan against your goal, whatever it is, it's kind of like if you learn how to drive on an 18 wheeler, that's how you learn how to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can accomplish anything. So why not kind of dream big and plan big and then, you know, strategize against those grandiose plans, if you will. Mm-hmm. I would say um, the second thing will be from my dad, um, which has always been like, do what you love and the money will follow. And that, you know, you spend such a tremendous amount of time in your life at work that is so critical to really love it because, and I can't, I don't remember the quote, but it's something to the effect that if you love your job, you'll never have a day's work. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, truly believe that. Um, and I would say, let me see, the third thing would be, I think, you know, I learned this from a previous, my previous boss, her name was Kristen, uh, when I worked for Clear Channel in New York, and it was just to do what you say you're going to do. And I say this often, and it sounds really simple and easy. It's actually like my New Year's resolution for the past five years, but it is very difficult to find people who, when they say they're going to do something, they, you could take them seriously, and it means a great deal. And, you know, I try to be that person, and when I find somebody who has those same qualities, it, it continues to knock me continues to knock me out and blow me away. Great. So what are some unique qualities that women have to possess in leadership roles that men don't? I think women, you know, you would think it's 2010, we're supposed to be living in the Jetsons, but the truth of the matter is there are still very kind of severe stereotypes in terms of how women are perceived. And, you know, I say one thing that is um, something that I encourage is that, you know, you looked at the period in the 80s and even in the early 90s where women felt like they had to act like men to be taken seriously. And I really don't believe that at all. I think, um, you know, Ellie, I think you're an example of this, and I try to live as an example of this, that you can 100% be a woman, you know, embrace your femininity and still be taken seriously. And instead, you know, utilize the difference between women and men in a way that's professional and appropriate, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, highlight that versus trying to bury it because it's only one truth, and you're not you're not a man, right? You're a woman. So, <laughs> if there are some benefits that we have to, whether it's being more intuitive, whether it's being able to be, you know, more nurturing with your team, whatever those things are, then I think we should capitalize on them versus trying to bury them. Great. So, what are some unique aspects about the entertainment industry that you don't find in other fields? Well, I think, you know, kind of um, back to what I said earlier about the Department of Defense, you know, it is another industry that's heavily male-dominated from a from a leadership standpoint. Um, and, you know, you have to kind of govern yourself accordingly that if you want to be in a leadership position to ensure that you come prepared to kind of play with the big boys, if you will, and to be, and to be taken seriously. Um, I think another thing that's interesting with the entertainment industry that I actually found different is that it is very – almost creative-driven. So you kind of have all these artists in business leadership positions, whereas when you look at other business organizations, um, they're 100% being driven by the bottom line and efficiencies Mm -hmm. and ROI, whereas sometimes you have to be a steward of 
creativity is beautiful, but we need to balance it and ensure that we are still focused on, you know, what is the business success as well. Good. So what's it like working with celebrities? I think it's like working with anyone. At the end of the day, I think, you know, we all, um, you know, we're all just people. And um, whether you're working with, I think the more difference is kind of like when you're working with someone at the chairman level. So whether it's kind of Sumner Redstone or whether it's Sean Combs, you know when you have somebody who's accomplished a great deal, the expectations are going to be are going to be serious. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you deal with a celebrity, uh, whether they're you know whether they're a celebrity in their own right because of all that they've done in the oil industry, or whether they are you know David Beckham, these are people who've accomplished a great deal, and that if you want to be a part of their team, it's just critical that you can establish. Um, that you're willing to work and actually come to play, not dissimilar to the effort that they put in to get into where they are. Mm-hmm. So I have a question just to, in general about working in the entertainment industry, uh, especially for somebody like Sean Combs, who is uh, also a reality TV star. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a reality TV star uh, and people are watching them from their homes, the comfort of their homes, they have a tendency to believe that they know the person maybe better than they really know the person. Right. How do you find that that might trickle into your work, given that you work so closely with a celebrity? Um, well, I think, you know, TV is tele- is TV. So no matter how much, you know, of reality TV there is, at the end of the day, it needs to be edited and cut to be entertaining. Otherwise, you know, people won't watch it. Um, I think we all have challenges where, or I have a challenge specifically, where um, when I'm talking to Nabisco or Procter & Gamble or Pepsi, that they might not realize, particularly with, with you know, with my boss, is that he's a very serious business person, that his success does not come by luck. Um, so you could watch the reality TV, and maybe he's making the band, it's a fun time, and he's a fun guy. But, um, you know, it's critical for us to also express that, you know, he takes his work extremely serious. He's probably one of the most hardworking people, um, you know, quietly might be historically unparalleled for his work ethic. Um, so I think conveying that point, can be a little bit of a challenge if somebody has a deep-rooted impression that, you know, he's a reality TV star. Mm-hmm. And how do you keep yourself grounded working in the entertainment industry? Um, I th- You know, I, I don't take it any differently than working in any other industry. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, you kind of grow up in New York and you are surrounded by, you know, people who eventually become celebrities and when you walk down the street. So I know they say New Yorkers are a little bit jaded. Um, you know, it, it's, I guess it's kind of fun to work on something that's relevant, and I love the ability and the opportunity to be able to use the celebrities around us to help shape kind of pop culture. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of being grounded, I, I wouldn't take it any, you know, much differently than if I worked at a landscaping company or Ford or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned one strategy before that you put into practice when you talked about your attention to detail. Do you have any other strategies that you can share that you currently put into practice in your day-to-day work? Yeah, um, I mentioned this earlier. I think it bears repeating because um, I literally, when my team asked that, we, you know, you're checking things seriously three times. And it seems probably a little bit annoying and we're all going really fast, but, you know, sometimes you can be a little too smart for yourself. And it, it's helpful to take a second if you're sending whatever it is, sending an email, finalizing your project, you checked it, you checked it again, step away from it and check it again um, because, you know, you need to really step away from a project sometimes to ensure that it's done that it's done properly. Um, I think the second biggest thing is really just follow-up. This could be a little obnoxious, but at the end of the day, if you can go through all of your emails for the day, um, it just helps to put a cap on stuff and ensure that you don't have things lingering on or once you start the next day and you have a fire or something that's a hot priority 
and that's something and you know the previous days uh to do is get kind of lost so i think if you take the time each day to recap and close off things that can be easily closed off uh, it helps you in the long run and do you believe that there's such a thing as work-life balance for women in leadership roles I think this is probably the number one challenge that I see all the time with, um, you know, among my peers, and that because the expectation of women has not really changed dramatically in in your home life, um, but women have made leaps, you know, uh, and bounds in their level of influence and responsibility at work. So, I mean, frankly, if somebody found the secret out, I'd love to hear it because (laughs) everyone that I know is definitely a challenge to be, you know, the best possible wife and mother and daughter and and boss, frankly, um, you know, it is definitely something that is a work in progress. And, you know, I kind of always say I have a whole theory about we have, you look at evolution, we have jumped very quickly from in the 1950s primarily being, you know, housewives to running companies and heads of organizations, whereas men have been doing this for whatever it is, 700 years or however long it's been. Um and I think that, um, you know, even when you look at some of the increase of women having autoimmune disease, I think the stress levels are affecting women and that maybe in four generations we'll be better adapted and, you know, our great-grandkids can tell us how to do it the right way. Because so right now I just see a lot of women working 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you strive for balance in your own life, especially given that you pretty much live in two states? Well, you know, I think the biggest thing is always be a mindful of what's the most important thing. I love my job. I'm probably a bit of a workaholic, but by no stretch of the imagination does my work even come close um, to how much I value my family, you know, my husband and my friends. Um, and I think always keeping that perspective that, you know, there's really nothing remotely more clo- more important to me than them, you know, helps you to keep focused on, okay, you know, you got to kind of, you can't live to work, you know. <laughs> you got to, like, work, you know, to live, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, many women believe that they have to assume masculine characteristics in order to achieve in leadership roles. Do you believe that this is true? No, I definitely don't. And I I think it's a little bit impossible. And I think the biggest thing that's important for people in general is to be true to themselves. So it's disingenuous um, to try to take on masculine properties that are not yours. I think people read through that and it comes across as not being authentic. Um, I don't think... You know, there's stereotypical pieces about, you know, oh, women being overly emotional and this and that. I think you need to govern yourself in a way that's professional the same way that men do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you can 100% do that and be a woman at the same time. Great. And what's next for you in your career? I mean, the next thing is, um, you mentioned earlier the, the success we've had with the Ciroc brand. Um, we're really excited about how well it's done, and we are, you know, moving towards aggressively making that number one in the ultra-premium vodka category in the United States. Um, and after that, I'm working aggressively towards, you know, how we kind of do that in the rest of the world, uh, as well as uh, we have a couple of new projects that uh, we can't discuss yet. We'll be on the lookout in the next six months for some exciting new projects coming out of Sean, camp, Sean Combs' uh, camp. Great, great, great. So, Zia, thank you so much for sharing your insights with our listeners, and we wish you continued success in all of your endeavors. Thank you so much. It really is an honor, and uh, I love what you're doing for women. I think it's awesome. Hats off. Thanks, Zia. And to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, drop me a note on the Leadership Strategies for Women page on Facebook. Until next time, God bless.